Ten ten. Witten. <laughs> Happy Friday, my friend. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday, folks, dialing in. Mate, it's been too long between drinks. And quite literally, hasn't it? <laughs> it? Feels like we haven't done this for uh, a great many days, weeks, yes, weeks, weeks, maybe even a month or so. Um, but uh, mate, awesome to be hanging out with you today. Looking forward to uh, hanging out and um, and chewing the fat. We've already got a few of our uh, regulars on board. Welcome back. Thanks, Alison. I hope you've got a, a glass of uh, vino or a uh, a little something there for this afternoon and. Um, you know, we'll see how we roll. Mate, uh, what's going on? We haven't done this for over a number of weeks, folks, and there's been a lot going on. I reckon um, we'll probably uh, we'll probably talk the leg off an iron chair this evening. Uh, we shall see. <laughs> well, I'm curious to know what everyone's uh, what everyone's thinking out there. So, are there any hot topics, any uh, things that you're noticing out in the media at the moment uh, that are pushing a few buttons, or, or what's uh, what's on your mind? Put a Put a, a couple of thoughts in the chat for us, and uh, we'll get things going. I've got, I got fifty slides I could go through here, Jace. But uh, interested to to know what it's thinking out there at the moment. Plenty going on. Well, uh, for anyone who's joining us and they haven't been here before, you might be wandering by and go, "What's this live show happening, or what's going on?" Well, Andy and I uh, created this uh, get together, little live stream get together uh, over two years ago uh, when COVID descended upon the world and all of our businesses and all of our investing and uh, we thought we would uh, get together and uh, debrief the week each week when it came to the world of investing. Andy in the world of banking and business and finance and myself in the world of business and real estate. So uh, folks, welcome along. We uh, we have uh, been doing this for a collective uh probably collective over 50 years between us makes us sound old um, but um, along the way we've uh, we've learned a few things we've done a we've done a few um, oh, done a few good things done a few stupid things um, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> we get to share some of those things with you guys as we as we go but we do have a little bit of a, a very rough Andy a very rough way we like to run the show um, but um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty loose, but uh, we try to do something like what's in the news. Uh, we like to do things you should know, and um, maybe get some of your questions answered. So Alison is already talking about, hey, you know, why shares went down, each interest rate, each each interest rate rise, and last time they shot up. Um, and uh, I reckon I've got one of the answers to that one. Um, of of uh, uh, soon, but uh, that's something we're going to talk about, Alison. So stick around, Tim. Yeah, less increase. Well, that is that's that's what I reckon, Tim. Certainly, I felt like <laughs> when it came to the rate rise only being 0.25, I I felt like we won the we won the lotto from a uh, and lending point of view. Uh, I think there's still three more of those 0.25s to come, uh, maybe even four, but um, we shall see. We shall see. But Andy few people chucking some uh, questions in the chat already, which is great news. And, um, you know, the old live stream's just getting a little warmed up right now. So um, if uh, if uh, if you're there and you've got any questions, whack them in the chat. We might sort of kick off and get into it, mate. Um, um, why, don't, um, why don't I uh, 
I lead. Well, before I lead before we do, mate, um, it's a, uh, I know we've got what's what's in the news, but uh, you know, a typical segment. What's uh, what's in the glass, mate? What, what's uh, in the glass? Well, what's in the glass for me today is the oh, I can't even say it. Alicante Boucher. Alicante Boucher, very fancy, very flash. Um, and uh, got that from down in uh, and my uh, my trip and tour in Adelaide. Um, so uh, hopefully it goes down all right, mate. It goes down all right. But it is a bit of a strange one. I feel a bit weird drinking at 4 o'clock on a Friday um, because uh, because Daylight Savings has changed for, for you and um, the rest of Australia, but Queensland kind of stayed the same. Is that the same? Is that? Is everywhere changed other than Queensland? I don't know. Let me know uh, in the I think chat. Queensland and that. WA are the uh, the two outliers, but then troublemakers, troublemakers, yeah. always yeah. have been, always yeah. have been. Yeah. But we love a good troublemaker. We do, we do. But uh, but that's good to see. Well, welcome along, folks. Why don't we uh, Why don't we get into the show today and uh, see what's going on? Ding dong, the witch is dead, Andy. Um, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh what a stupid f- yeah anyway we, we called this we called this a little while ago so let, let's, let's phrase it up what what do you mean by ding dong the witch is dead <laughs> well uh unless you've been living under a rock as a as a as a property investor the idea of queensland being absolutely insane and trying to um um trying to double tax Double tax property investors with their controversial land tax plan. Um, they've received more heat than they could possibly imagine from such a stupid idea. I don't know who they asked in the first place. Obviously, nobody. Um, and uh, uh, the premiers had to come out and said, "Hang on, hang on. Okay, we're, we're not we're not going to do it. it. It is a stupid plan. Let's get rid of it." Um, they they snuck it through in the budget, Andy, with with very little very little detail. And um, it was quite, it was quite hilarious. It was great to see a few of the other states. The uh, the New South Wales Premier said, um, uh, "Not on my watch, ladies and gents. You won't be doing this, and uh, I won't be giving you any uh, property owners' details from New South Wales. So you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Good luck with your plans." Uh, and pretty shortly after that, yeah. Not only that, Andy, uh, there were. Some very smart people looking at it as an illegal tax. It was unconstitutional, wasn't it? Well, it's not a controversial. It's an unconstitutional uh, yeah. land tax. Yeah. And perhaps if some of these politicians actually went to school, um, <laughs> I'm starting to think that it's the Ricky Gervais thing. You know, it's almost like these guys have spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's right, we, and we 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 coined it straight off the bat uh, when yeah. when it came out. We said uh, it's anti-constitutional. Uh, it's creating a double, double tax. Um, the reason why they found it so difficult that a little while ago, Jace, these uh, penny thieving little penny thieving politicians. Actually, that's great. Love it uh, because we've well <laughs> penny thieving the PTPs, penny thieving policy. Jace, that you might remember that a little while ago they tried to get the the franking credits taxable or weren't going to give the franking credits back in if you're in pension mode. Now, there was a whole lot of rhetoric thrown around as to the reason why it didn't pass, but the reason why it didn't pass is because it's a double tax. And if these idiots actually understood the Constitution of Australia, which clearly they have no idea about, they're representing 
you know, largely the Constitution of Australia, but clearly they haven't read the rule book. Um, and it's a pretty big rule book, but geez, one of the most fun. Like, here's, here's the rub, Jase. We have double taxation um, treaties with like 40 countries. God, we've got it with Papua New Guinea. Um, like, we've, we've, and so fundamental to the tax legislation is this idea that, that you can't get taxed twice. Right, I've uh, man, I've just brought it up. Like, it, it just it's it's insane. Um, like, and hopefully you might be able to see this. Um, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put that up there for us. All right. So this is this is a website uh, tax summaries from Price Coopers. Now look at the list of countries that Australia has a double taxation agreement with. I get a bit bigger. I think you squidged it for some reason somehow. Oh, oh I'll just go around. There's a list. We've got it with Russia. We've got it with Russia, and they're trying to invade um, the Ukraine at the moment. British Virgin Islands. Who the Virgin Islands has got an asterisk there? So the the, the reason why this is laughable, Jace, is that we, we foundational to the tax um, legislation is this idea that you cannot get taxed twice. Yeah. Right. And we've negotiated this with countries all across the world, and some, well, some which ding dong comes in and goes, you know what, I've got a great idea to pull a few pennies out of other people's pockets. Ah, we'll, 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 we'll create a new land tax. How absolutely bloody ridiculous, stupid. It was never going to get up. Scared yep. the living daylights out of people. And, uh, mate, if we had a shame file, do you remember Darren Hinch, the shame file? Yes. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. Shame, shame, shame on you. <laughs> well. Well, thankfully, um, thankfully, well, I don't know if common sense provide because they don't have much of a way in common sense. But you know, um, the law, um, in its, uh, in its, in its, um, fairly black you know, and white way, <laughs> yeah, in, in its essence, is there to stop this sort of ludicrousness happening. So it's glad we're glad to see that that occurred. So big tick in the box for property investors, Andy. Um, certainly those who polled into Queensland. <laughs> And, um, you know, we did have a huge amount of people thinking that um, they were going to pay a lot more than they than they should have. Now, one thing uh, we did from that is we actually created, ladies and gents, a land tax calculator for people. So um, if you want the land tax calculator, you need to join my mentoring program and I'll give it to you. Um, and if you're in the mentoring program, you can get it for free. But let's talk about something else. And, uh, you know, Alison um, asked about, you know, why is it that shares went up, Andy? Because it was only a 0.25 of an increase um, uh, of recent times or, or the last uh, rate increase. But check it out. This has been pretty nice for, you know, a period of time. Actually, I'll make that a bit bit of a different colour. Um, you know, uh, it's been pretty nice for, you know, a long, a long time, low to no interest out, out there in the marketplace. And uh, we have had a number of consecutive increases in rates of recent times. Andy and I were talking uh, uh, one of the last Wealth, Wine and Wisdoms that we did about the the bond rates, you know, the one and three and five and 10-year bond rates, which correlated to this stuff, which is interesting. And Andy, I remember you and I, like, and I'm, I'm absolutely sure it was on one of the Wealth, Wine and Wisdoms. I was trying to find it the other day. You and I talked about, hey, we think it's not going to be another half a percent, half a percent forever and a day. I reckon they'll slow down before the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't a 2.5. And lo and behold, 
abracadabra, here we are, slowing the rate down. And, um, again, you know, it made sense because Andy was talking about when we look at long-term bond rates or medium to long-term bond rates, it's an aggregated financial emotionless opinion about where they think cash rates will land, not, you know, not media um, and banks and all sorts of un, um, unfiltered opinions. The price unfounded, of the bond, unfiltered, and unfiltered, uh, and sometimes ludicrous, uneducated. <laughs> um, you know, the the bond rates are actually like a really good way to aggregate uh, aggregate this thing. So, but anyway, what's the point? The point is, team, uh, a slowing down of that, um, I believe, is going to give us. Uh, a nice little soft landing sometime around the end of the year or maybe early next year where that that will be zero or no rate rises uh, into the future. And at some point by the, by the end of next year, I reckon they will reduce it. That's my call. Um, I'm putting that here right now on on uh, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. But, oh, Andy, I'm, I'm going to go they'll overshoot. Yeah, I reckon they go. might overshoot for. Yeah, I reckon they back. might overshoot it and then they'll yeah. wind it back. Um, that that's what history tells us that they do, and they do it in about a three to four month block. They really create some pain or some stupidity, and then um, and then they realise they've gone a little bit too far. People, people start, you know, it's almost like that confirmation bias. Yeah, you, know, you start to make decisions, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's now easy to raise rates. Like we've been doing, oh, we'll just keep going. I'm a bit, I'm hooked on the drug, Jason, yeah. and my, yeah. my my parents are pensioners, and they're enjoying the the six percent savings rate. So yeah. uh, I, I, my tip would be, and it's it's really just based on uh, historical evidence of, of them making or overshooting and having to correct back. And it's part of the reason for that as well is, and I'm not taking a pop at the Reserve Bank. I think the politicians have taken enough of a pop at the Reserve Bank, <laughs> uh, trying to blame the Reserve Bank for the screw-ups that the politicians have made. It's unbelievable. It's like a schoolyard. But um, the inflationary data that the the banks the reserve bank uses to to raise and cut rates it's it's three months old at the time that they make the decisions yeah so it kind of makes sense right that that they're going to overshoot uh that measured based on how the statistics roll in yeah in 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 uh in history and and that that's an interesting one because yeah i I say this all the time with property investors you know with a valuer a valuer is looking three to six months in history as well. You know, it's very rare that they would take a sale today as as gospel that they would hang their license or their hat on. Um, you know, so um, you know, for us as investors, you know, to look into the, the moment now and or into the future, we need to understand how to do that. Uh, you know, when it comes to interest rates, when it comes to values, when it comes to all sort all sorts of things. So yeah, so, yeah, you might make sense. To answer Alison's question, Jace, so you've kind of jumped around it and you've alluded to it, but let me. Ask well, I was going to. I was going to throw. I was going to throw to you in a second. All right. Oh, okay. Well, I'll <laughs> shut up. Keep going, Jace. Well, well let, let let me finish this section, Fenton, and then um, over to you, my friend. But you know, uh, this is one little lesson, folks. And Andy, you know, uh, we all we all had quite you know quite the time of it in here when it came to you know these low uh, interest rate times. And, um, you know, for the, you know, for those who could, you know, was a great time to purchase real estate. Like, you know, it was, it was pretty inexpensive, low risk, et cetera. Now, you know, our 
borrowing power, we call that the BP and servicing, the ability for you to get access to some some uh, some borrowing was actually you know as easy as it uh, it was it was going to be when it came to the expense of your interest. What uh, now when interest rates have gone up or cash rates have gone up, interest rates are passing on through. What's been the impact to borrowers, Andy, for their ability to borrow now and to the future? You know, what does that look like when it comes to, you know, uh, getting access to capital, getting access to cash? Well, there's been pretty a pretty significant adjustment in people's ability to borrow. If you have a look at this quick little chart here, you know, um, literally six months ago, someone could borrow 500000 um, and now their ability to borrow is 391, right? Now, this is uh, approximate. And if you were sort of sitting around six months ago, if you were sitting around two years ago waiting for the property market to collapse, you know, this is the cost of that uncertainty or not taking action. Now, the ability for you to buy a certain type of property um, or now the ability for you to borrow has been um has been reduced pretty significantly. So, you know, on average, about 20% so far from from six to nine months ago um, on lending. And it doesn't mean, folks, this is the thing, Andy, it doesn't mean you can't afford it in your cash flow, right? A lot of people have heaps of spare cash flow. I see this all the time when we look at borrowers or people who want to buy. Um, what is happening is uh, about 18 months ago, two years ago, they put an extra percent on top of the the risk, uh, the loading rate for finance. So it went from 2% to 3%. Uh, and now interest rates have gone up. So uh, my call, I called this uh, yesterday as well, Andy. Uh, I think by the end of the year, maybe early next year, the banks will remove the, the risk on top of risk rate from 3%. They'll reduce it back to 2%. I'm calling that. Um, uh, uh, it doesn't make any sense. That that they that you move into like you, you have a double whammy on borrowing on borrowers you know interest rates have gone up and risk rates have gone up that that'll change um, and um, you know the the rents will go up especially for investors in, for especially for investors the rents will go up a little bit and offset you know some of these borrowing restrictions so a little bit of an impact for people um, but um, mate. I thought uh, I thought it's great news. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Tax, the Queensland tax is over, and uh, we actually, um, you know, are slowing in uh, cash rate rises. But over to you for answering Alison's question. Really, at the end of the day, that's what um, you know. Why? Why? Why did they react in a positive way, Andy? Well, what what does everyone think? Uh, I'd be interested to uh, to know what what, uh, what what everyone out there thinks. Well, uh, we had here from Tim. Tim, Tim said uh, consumer confidence. Um, um, you know, people felt better about the world because you know it wasn't getting. It was getting worse, slower. <laughs> is that a? Is that a? You know, simple as that. So, um, what? What does anyone? What does anyone else think? Yeah. It's it's probably not too far away from that. So, yeah, um, markets are always pricing in the future. That that's pretty much what happens in markets. So. Markets aren't priced for today. They're priced for several years in many cases down the track. Um, so the way that, you know, we, we look at 
pricing equities, which are shares or stocks, whatever you want to call them. We, we, we have three different names for the same thing uh, just to make it more difficult for everyone to understand it, I think. And um, so effectively what they do is they, 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 it's like a discounted cash flow model in some cases, and they're, but they're going, what's this company going to be worth based on its cash flow and its growth pos- pro- uh, prospects you know, several years down the track? Yeah, and one of the major inputs to it is interest rate because interest rates are expenses. Company borrow them. Um, it's the way that they raise capital as well. So um, it dictates a lot of what happens in listed uh, companies. So at any point in time when a, a market is shocked by an event that it was expecting to go in a different direction, the market will move to uh, arbitrage that gap in expectation. And this this goes to you and I got to catch up with Mo Gravat. I, yeah. I might have butchered that, uh, who <laughs> was one of the most successful leaders in Google. Uh, wonderful, wonderful man, and he has a happiness equation, which which I love. Let's see if I butcher this one. Uh, it was give it a whirl. <laughs> happiness equals um, life events being equal to or greater than expectations. Happiness equals life events being equal to or greater than expectations. So markets are very, very similar. Um, If a market is happy is when the expectation of what's happening in the world or the events that happen in the world are less abrasive for it. So what I mean by that is if if the market thought that it was going to be a 0.5% interest rate hike, then it priced in. A 0.5%. As a matter of fact, the market's priced in basically interest rates to be going to 4% in the cash rate over the yep. next three and a half to four years, right? Yep. And that's we're likely going to hit that sooner rather than later, right? So that's what markets are priced in. So when the market does what it did and we had a, a – and let's – wait, 50%. It was 50% under the expectation if you want to sensationalise the headline. <laughs> but it was. It was ultimately 50% less – uh, impact yeah. on the market than what was expected, and as a result, the market very, very quickly figures out its reference point, and it and it goes back. It really doesn't have much to do with consumer confidence because consumers don't react that quickly. Like you and I didn't go, oh, twenty five basis points. Yep, yep, let's buy some stocks because now I'm a little bit happier. But it's a, it's a really astute observation, and I think that I saw also a couple of media channels saying that market confidence is up. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, people. Like, <laughs> Really, what? I mean, how, how like all of you are listening here? How many of you got? How many of you all went? Oh wow, it's only twenty five basis points. Better put some money in the market. Like it, it just yeah. Um, headlines can be so misleading, and and they just they they. I think that um, I think I saw it on the project. They got it wrong as well. Yeah, um, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Wrong. <laughs> so that's that's why markets uh that's why markets went up when interest rates went up. Well, there you go. There you go, yeah, Alison. Hopefully that. Yep, yep. Well, mate, um, what do you got on the agenda, mate? Um, I've got, um, I've got oh. uh, a couple of things uh, later on that I might share. But um, what have you got on um, on your, uh, um, mate? In the news. Uh, so this one, I love this. This is uh, this is one of my favourites. Uh, the big banks are losing deposits to more generous second tier rivals. The savers, savers shop around. Uh, at the over four percent mark, which is magnificent. You know, one of the one of the benefits of increasing interest rates 
uh, is that you've got areas that you can store your money and actually make a little bit more than what you were yesterday. Yeah. And so one of my big coins, mate, is I reckon the banks are going to start competing against themselves very, 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 very soon uh, because I know that a lot of people are looking at second-tier lending uh, now for the same reasons that you were articulating earlier on, a little bit more yep. lenient, a little bit more competitive. Um, and they're also offering, you know, substantially higher rates. So my tip is that the the big banks will start to move on this reasonably uh, quickly uh, and reasonably soon as well. The reason why I say that is I think that um, savers, people are more hypersensitive um, to uh, to rates at the moment than they've probably ever been. And as a result, and, and the other thing is, mate, 2% to 4%, that's 100%. So yeah. you think about the headlines of what's going to be rolling out from the second tier lenders. You can get a hundred percent better return on your investments, and then that'll turn into I've got a hundred percent on my investments. Not true. Yeah. But, uh, get ready for the big pricing war between the banks and their second tier cousins. Well, I mean, yeah, um, if you think about if you think about that too, Andy, it's um, it used to be easy to talk to you know clients and customers and say, hey, listen, if you got spare cash laying around you know, put it in your offset account because your interest rate is 7%. Like that's money as mu- money saved as money earned and you don't pay any tax on it, et cetera. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the last few years it was like, hey, you know, money, in, money, cash is trash. Put it to you somewhere. <laughs> cash is trash. Um, and uh, uh, is it Brendan? Brendan, I thought it was Brandon for a moment. I thought we we had our old heckler friend back uh, on our the good, YouTube good channel. Good Brandon back, hopefully. Yeah, no, no, this is Brendan. Uh, look, look around, uh, Brendan, because literally just had um, a client of mine knocked back uh, by the, the the big four, um, and then was offered nine hundred. Listen, it's nine hundred cash out by another one in the market. It might have been Bank West, or it might have been Bank of Queensland, or one of these. So, mate, shop around because uh, you know a good broker should be able to help you out, and and maybe you're already in that space. I don't know, but. Um, uh, a little bit of a tip. Now is a great time to be shopping around when it comes to mortgages and when it comes to you know, um, uh, fixed deposits and things like that because you, you'll get some ripper deals and the banks are going to start to get competitive. And what Jason was saying, the reason why they want to scrap that, that, that 3% to 2% is so they can lend you more money. Banks don't have wealth management in there. They, they were dragged through the coals on the, uh, in the Royal Banking Inquiry for charging dead people and doing all sorts of outrageous conduct. Um, and so they left. <laughs> so that tells you something about the banks, doesn't it? When when the when the Royal Commission came out and they said, "Well, you can't do that anymore," they've gone, "Oh, well, we won't do any of it anymore." Then if we oh, we'll, if, we'll get out. Then yeah. if we can't operate exactly. like that, we're out. But the reality is now that banks really are more um, uh, are more reliant on on loans. So for for the banks, cash is trash as well. They want to be lending more money so that they can make more money. So stay tuned for some great deals out there. Um, oh, it still makes it. I still I find it very very difficult to say Prime Minister Albanese. Well, <laughs> just it doesn't it doesn't doesn't sit well for me. Unfortunately, um, not all the witches are dead, mate. Um, but uh, <laughs> certainly one thing that is dead in politics is truth. Uh, and so an election <laughs> promise about not touching. I don't think the it was ever alive, Andy. I don't think it was ever alive, <laughs> oh, mate. You know, I thought that at some point in time it might have had the most. Uh, the, the tiniest little labour of a heartbeat, but uh, but unfortunately not. So we, we saw this coming a mile away. Have a look at that face. It's a face no one would trust um, apart from 
the majority of the population apparently because he's our, <laughs> our prime minister. Um, so straight away, I, I love the headline though because it's actually quite accurate. Uh, prime Minister Albanese uh, has, <coughs> God, it's like a frog in my throat, has all but given the green light to pairing back the stage three tax cuts by supporting claims um, by his treasurer that the budget faces unexpected structural costs. Um, I love that, Jace. Unexpected structural costs. That's almost quoted directly from them. It's like it's kind of like you, you and I raising uh, raising our prices uh, to everyone around there. And it's like, oh, uh, why were you raising price? Oh, we had some unexpected costs. Are you happy with that explanation, Jace? Good. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Beautiful. Um, so I, like I reckon there'll be some political argy-bargy around this, but probably not for very long. Uh, but what was looking at a really, really good, solid um, tax plan for the future now being repealed. So um, the witch is dead, but Albanese is well and truly alive and he is uh-huh. finding pennies to pinch from our pockets. Uh, also thought this one was a little bit interesting. The mortgage rates expected to hit 5.5%. Right? Uh, homeowners need to decide whether to pay down their mortgages, tip money into super or invest outside super. Um Wow, what a headline, Jace. Let's just move on past that one. How to say nothing within a headline. Yeah. Well, they're either going to do this or they're going to do that. Happy days. I think you and I have a journalist, uh, uh, an opportunity to be great journalists. Uh, but, mate, the wine fund, right? We've been talking about the wine fund due to release yes. next year. Keep um, it. Watch this space, folks. Watch this space. Um, I've just I've just made that public now, so I really need to get a wriggle on, don't I? <laughs> you need to get um, on with it now, Fenton. <laughs> but I, I love this. A bottle of Penfolds Liquid Gold. Now, who knows what Penfolds Liquid Gold is? Um, I'm interested to know. Uh, but a <laughs> bottle of Penfolds uh, rich, uh, Liquid Gold fetches $150,000 um, as crypto set to crash. Uh, I, I don't fully get the crypto crashing side of the equation, but uh, Langdon's had its first live auction since 1990s, like, I think the early 1990s. Um, so the exclusive affair had well over $740,000 worth of wine sold, uh, including this one bottle of Penfolds Grange Hermitage for $150,000. It was a bin one Shiraz, Ooh. 1951, wow. 1951. Um, so not a bad return uh, by all measures. Uh, and, Jace, as you know, I'm a big fan. Uh, I've been watching non-correlated markets uh, and we invest in those uh, for our clients. And this is one that, um, mate, just it's another feather in the cap where I go, let's keep drinking, Jace, uh, and let's see if we can acquire <laughs> well, some more I- of these. It can, it, it's got to be ta- tax deductible research, and that's what tax I like. Um, Mate, 100%. <laughs> we're we're all about removing risk, accelerating wealth, and minimizing tax. That's right. That's right. Well, one thing um, I do remember um, understanding from a while ago, and I, I can't remember where I, um, where I saw this article, but um, when there are tougher financial times, um, uh, yeah, wine. Alcohol, beer, like you know, BWS, the Thirsty Camel. Those shares always increase because those places get more, uh, get more patronage. So there you go, Andy. You know, you've got to have it on both sides of the fence. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a great hedge, right? Even with COVID, when COVID yeah. hit, Jesus, Dan Murphy's was one of the busiest places in the world. 
totally um, unbelievable. But possibly, Jace, uh, the biggest news, and this is one of the biggest headlines I've ever seen. Um, That's uh, a big claim, Andy. Mate, <laughs> what's in the news is the exit plan. Uh, the exit at plan its, uh, <laughs> at its debut and uh, and its at its first live event. Uh, and from all reports, Jason, I hear that the exit plan was one of the best events put on in financial services this century. I don't know. I read it somewhere. It might have yeah. been after I scribbled it down on a bit of paper. But <laughs> it I read holds it on a, my notepad. Oh, yeah, I read exactly. it on my notepad. <laughs> as valid as any uh, headline that I've read this week, Jason. Read uh, recently, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, mate, it, it was a pleasure launching that with you. I had uh, <laughs> the crowd went wild. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was a Pleasure launching that with you, Debs, and the, and the team. Uh, so, mate, uh, looking forward to perhaps sharing some more stories on Wine and Wisdom uh, with what we find from the, the exit plan over time, mate, and maybe we've got something very special coming soon. Yeah, totally, mate. Um, yep, folks, if you don't uh, know what the exit plan is, it's Andy and myself running uh, along with Deb here. Deb's on, Deb Jensen, um, uh, running a business owner's program when it comes to getting themselves in shape to create the wealth that they need to through business. Business is a little bit weirder, uh, a little bit more moving parts than the world of PAYG or um, a career career investor. So uh, there's a few more bits to to knock into shape and uh, we launched our first version of that um, uh, a few weeks ago. It's gone well. Uh, I think we've got three spots. Tell me, Deb. I think we've got three spots left to fill out of 30 for um, the three people who can't make the dates in February, unfortunately. Um, so um, if you're interested, folks, in finding out what that might be, then leave us a little comment in the chat and we'll connect with you. Um, three spots left. That's it. So we can only do 30 spots. There's 27 spots. Uh, let us know if you're up for it. But listen, Andy, back to um, back to my neck of the woods um, when it comes to the world of um, property and property investing, what's happening in the marketplace. Well, you know, the interest rates have uh, gone up a little and, um, you know, the taxes are still playing funny buggers out there at the front end. But I can tell you right now, we have got, and I called this uh, a while ago, Andy, you were, you were, you, you were, uh, you were, uh, around when I said this, we are in the middle of a disaster, a disaster, folks. You know, and I think I said it about fifty oh, times. I saw the headline, TJ. I, I, I thought I snapped it on the phone. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it literally it was. I think it was in the financial review. It, it finally coined, coined. I couldn't get a hold of you. I rang as soon as it happened. Oh. Uh, but uh, know, someone's calling. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> no screenshotting the number. Uh, it's a telemarketer. <laughs> and um, and it literally said, Jace. It literally said potentially facing the worst property shortage we've ever seen. That was the headline. And I thought, yeah. oh, I've got a headline right. They were late to the party, but they they got it right. Um, so, mates, that they're they're cottoning on. I, I think, God, like we almost since the beginning of Wealth Wine and Wisdom, you've been saying that we're heading towards a, a shortage. So that's you know three years ago now. Mate, and, and it was it was as clear as day back then. I could tell you, like it it uh, it was it it started this disaster we're in the middle of when it comes to the property world. Um, started in two thousand and eighteen with the APRA credit squeeze. Um, it, it really just put a 
put a bomb in our supply chain around the country and it's just knocked it for six and really it hasn't recovered and COVID just completely, you know, dwindled it even further. But it's also a release as well, isn't it, Jace? And uh, I was chatting uh, chatting with another learned friend of mine uh, over the week, no, not, not as learned as you, my friend, but uh, pretty close. <laughs> and um, uh, basically saying that, the release of land hasn't been up there. So even if we wanted to develop everything that had been released, that the the land release wasn't sufficient in itself to keep up with demand. And no, this because- is where, you, you know, governments really need to be held to account because this is a shire, local, state, and yeah, actually because it's happening all around Australia, yeah, yeah. it's Everywhere. a federal problem. Uh, and this is fairly and squarely at, at our council, shower, uh, shire, and um, and state government's responsibilities, because, and and I, Jace, you're a genius. I love you to bits. But the math isn't something that you need to be Markowitz to figure out, is it? No, it's no, it's not. <laughs> population growing by how many dwellings do we need for that population? Um, you know, uh, and as long as you're somewhere in, you know, uh, you know, maybe ten thousand of that or something. You're going to be somewhere in the right mix, uh, and mate, they, they just uh, A plus B uh, equals uh, terror uh, when yeah. it comes to to the land. No, te- totally. land releases. Yeah, well, a land is much more difficult to supply as well. So you know, land takes more time. You need more infrastructure. You need more lead time to supply land. You know, townhouses and apartments. Um, you can supply a little bit faster, but you need the flow of funding, right? So, you know, there's this kind of balancing act and, um, yeah, what happened, you know, the the first home buyer and the, you know, the builder boost and all that sort of stuff around the country absorbed every piece of land and it absorbed the future's land as well. So, um, (laughs) because... Yeah, unregistered land was sold to people. It doesn't even exist yet and it was sold. So... You know, we can't even we, – we can't even – we have to wait another 12 months for it to flow through. It's three years' worth of absorption in one year, you know, or, or 18 months. So, you know, that really uh, – yeah, and, and then some and then some and then some. But, you know, if you look at these vacancy rates here, folks, Andy, like look at this, you know, out of, you know, the seven – yeah, I mean, ha- have a look at – I mean, the national vacancy rate across the whole country is under a percent, right? That that is ludicrous. And then, you know, some well, places I would say that that that's similar, Jace, to um, to unemployment number. I've forgotten the term that it's called, but once you get to a certain number and and unemployment, uh, it's I forgot. It's, it's, I think is it full employment or something, or full absorption or something, or whatever? Well, it, the, it basically because if we take a transition mechanism uh, yeah. and in housing, it's somebody leaving one house to go to another house, somebody Correct. moving into states. Yeah. You know, just yeah. the natural flow of you know social dynamics means that you know I would venture to say and be interesting to ask Sammy Saggers about this. What is the zero? What is zero? Because zero is not zero. You are at zero well before you get to zero. And what I mean by that is that that people moving from one place to another, that will always have some vacancy associated with it. So my, my tip would be if you're at 0.7% or around about there, that is literally it's no vacancy. And and, and that, that's completely, absolutely accurate, Andy. And in some suburbs, we know sub, suburbs now in Melbourne where there is 
There is zero things to rent. Nobody's moving because they don't want to leave. There's nothing new in the suburb. There's zero turnover. Um, and and it, is, it, it is zero. It's like no one's leaving. Nothing's available. It's at zero. And at certain suburbs, like that's, that's, that's where we're at. There's no new supply. There's no one leaving because like everyone's like, nah, man, if I leave here, where do I go? It's a disaster, right? And you know? this, is, this is a great conversation, Jace, because, you know, I, I'm getting asked it a lot now by, by people who, you know, have we missed out on the property, uh, on the property side of things? And, you know, and then you kind of go, well, you probably should because interest rates are going up, but it, people need to leave somewhere so people will pay more for it. And yeah. then you've got a cap on banking right now. Is that is there a potential that you know, if if we were to say okay, well let let's just say that Jace is right because you've pretty much been right with almost every call that you've made <laughs> on this legitimately, and the banks uh, relax their lending, right? Because ultimately, like let's logically think through it, right? And I learned all of this from you, but uh, in order for developers to have the confidence to put their money and develop land, um, they need to achieve the finance. So they, they, they need lending restrictions to, to, to be released a little bit so that more money can go into their pockets, less risk of you know, them potentially going down as a result of building. So they need it to go down in order to be able to build the property. Now, if well, we don't well, solve well, To be that, more accurate with that, Andy, there's enough money for developers, but there's not enough money for pre-sales, right? So, yep. so that's what – so, hey, listen – I'll give you the money if you can get the pre-sales. And what what the what this lending issue has, like restricting lending and also interest rates going up, people are saying, I'm not buying off the plan. I'm buying something now and I don't even know if I can afford it in the future. Not a chance on this planet, right? So that's what's happening. The people are going, nah, mate, not me, not me, right? So they're, they're not jumping into the game. So correct. They're not, they're not getting to solve this issue, then – what they really need to do is unwind all of the restrictions they put on lending in the first place that really started this issue, you know, seven years ago. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It's like and then just- if they were smart, they just go, "We know fuck all about this because every time we seem to make a decision, every time we get involved, we fuck it up. <laughs> we, we destroy it. Why don't we just let nature take its course and and allow a free market to to, to equalize itself?" The, the free market works, and and you know, and mate, you and I, you and I know that one. You know, and I've got the answer. Is it too late, Andy? Well, here's the answer, folks. Uh, me... <laughs> I saw this. <laughs> Is it too late? Well, are you dead? No. Well, it's not too late. All right. So, <laughs> well, so logically thinking through it, you kind of go, well, there's a potential that it'll kick because my, in my world, Jace, when it comes to commercial property, um. The, the there's a number of factors, but borrowing is a big factor, right? If you can't, yeah, if, yeah. If, if borrowing isn't there, then prices will not continue to rise, right? Um, now there's a few examples where that's not true, but by and large, all other things being equal, can't borrow the money or the, the leverage is capped. So is the 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 pr- price of property. Yeah. Um, now it seems to be true on that side, but if they then relax the servicing requirements, then all of a sudden, you know. Joe Bloggs, who used to be at 800, who's now at 500, could then go up to 900. And then my guess would be that if, if that ended up happening, you'd see, you'd see the houses run again. I think you will, Andy. And, and, and maybe houses not so much as the 
less expensive ones? I mean, apartments and townhouses will probably get some attention uh, yeah. sooner rather than later. Um, and what we're going to see, and, and this is, it, it's already well underway, is that with these vacancy rates low, you'll see the rents continue to accelerate pretty significantly over the next two to three years. We've still got, like on the radar, there is going to be a million people, a million new people come into this country. Yeah, one million people. One million. Um, within the next four years, right? And and it, and it takes five years to to significantly turn from where we are now to where we where we'd like to be, like for production. You, you, even That's if an we extra four percent on the population. Four percent of the population. Now, listen to this. In an already, population. An already drastically lowest in sixteen years vacancy rate and supply chain marketplace. Where the hell are they going to live? <laughs> where are they? What's, what's like? Where are they going to live? Because I can Mate. tell you right now, the, the the government, like the government's like shit. We need people here because we need that. We need people need to do jobs. That, like that's all they're focused on. And then everyone's like. You know, me and the property world are going over here. Hey, folks, like we need to build some things so people can like live somewhere, you know. Yeah, Wake up, you lost, you know. It's whack-a-mole politics, mate. It's really <laughs> whack-a-mole <laughs> politics. Whack-a-mole. Oh, issue, bang. Issue, <laughs> bang. <laughs> issue, <laughs> bang. Yeah. You know, yeah. Foresight and future. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, Did somebody mate. hear something? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Andy, this is the other thing that I think, um, you know, for many of us, we need to make sure we sort of, you know, get our heads around uh, when it comes to, you know, the world of, you know, Australia. You know, we're, we're, we're actually… Make that a little bit bigger there, mate, on the right-hand side. Let me well, see I'll, I'll, I'll drill into this. Um, according to Credit Suisse, you know, Australians are the wealthiest, you know, people in the world, richest people in the world, you know, based on our net… Um, uh, or our income and asset um, position. Now, let, let me scroll in here if I, if I can drill into this one here. So uh, median wealth per adult, you know, up. Now, that, that might have changed in um, in the last sort of six months maybe. Um, we might have dropped under Belgium or something like that. But, you know, Australia's got, you know, Australia's got a level of wealth and, you know, equity and, savings and cash and super and all sorts of stuff that just many, many other countries don't have. Even though we've got some temporary um even though we've got some temporary uh headwinds when it comes to you know the major cost of owning real estate is is your interest. Um but again it long term it's still pretty inexpensive, five percent. You know? So uh pretty interesting to see, you know, Aussies are pretty well up there when it comes to you know the world of wealth and ownership and value um so for me andy like i think you know i I don't think we'll see a major huge crazy kick in capital growth in the next five to eight years but i i I see a a very quality led growth pattern and um i certainly see um a, a significant um rental growth occurring you know off the back of this next five years so you know yeah right yeah i've I've got some data that sort of supports that as well because in an equity uh 
from an equities perspective, if you bring up my slide, that there, there's uh, so one of our one of the our favourite managers is a uh, is a private equity manager, one of the world's best. Um, so I was chatting with them more recently. Private equity is uh, investing in businesses, like it's the, the process of creating a pool or a fund, and then using the money of that fund to go and invest in other businesses. Yes. Um, and the idea is that if you find great businesses that if they just had another $10 million, then they could be 100 times the size, right? Or, you know, Domino's is a classic example, right? Domino's and its app went ballistic, was one of the top performing stocks throughout, uh, uh, throughout COVID. Not anymore, but was. Um, if we have a look at this here, so what we've got here is uh, the multiple expansion, Right. Um, so I'll try and so I'll try and sort of level this out. This is the MSCI World Index. So this is the growth of the world stock market, as an example, right? So yep. in Australia we have the All Ordinaries. Um, if we put the whole world together, we have the MSCI World Index. So yeah, wow, basically a composite of where the world is going, right? So that that's the index. That's the green line up the top. Now earnings driven. Now this is really interesting. And this, I think, you know, relates back into the property side of the equation. Earnings yeah. driven, which is this little, you know, lighter shade here, right? So the factor of the growth over 20 to 22 was really only a minor part of the, of the um, based on earnings driven companies. Yeah. The, the, the larger part was really the multiple um, expansion. So these are what we call growth stocks. So think about, uh, tech stocks, Google, all of these sorts of companies, right? As a, as opposed to Telstra, um, who always get the job done wrong, but they're very very good at paying dividends to their clients, right? Um, so, what we're actually seeing here is now that this is corrected somewhat, and we don't have the most recent figure on there now, but it's corrected a lot. Yeah, right. Now, most of that correction has actually come from this red area here, which is the growth side of the equation. But now it's the flight to quality is a flight to great income streams. Yes. So if we have a look and, you know, on the opposite side over, over where we can see the 9% and 10% just here, right? So this is the composite of the index. So on a global basis, information technology in 2012, right, was 10%. Now it is actually 21%. So it's almost a quarter of the globe as far as uh, wow, share. almost a quarter. Wow. All right. But have a look over the last 12 months uh, with the MSCI world going down 20, 21%. So that's the market return of the world over the last 12 months or the first, yep. first half 2022 actually. Um, so if we annualize that, it'd be more like 60. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> But have a look at some of these other areas like energy, right? So what do you switch on every day when you wake up? Yeah, yeah. It's always got to be there, doesn't it? Something yeah. that is is producing. Now, energy, obviously, there's a, an anomalous oil kick in there. But we've also got industrial. Uh, so consumer staples have had a really, really good run. Consumer discretionary. So this is uh, stuff that, you know, we've been buying on Amazon, slowed down significantly. You know, healthcare, people still need to go and, get band-aids and go to hospitals. So in my world, Jace, when you say flight to quality in, in the real estate world, in my world, the flight to quality is uh, the revenue streams that are being 
delivered and the quality of those revenue streams. Yep. And that's where the money is going these days uh, in, in my world, in the equities world. Well, it's interesting. That's actually a direct correlation, like 30%. We have a property management business. You know that, and, and and some of the listeners would be, you know, um, aware of that as well. We've got one in Melbourne, and we've got one in in Brisbane. And over the last two years, because that is a consistent rental income stream when it comes to its value, that has risen thirty percent, like like more, like the the what someone would pay for that business has increased thirty percent than they would have before COVID because they wanted Absolutely. a consistent income stream. I was like, wow, this that's great. Even though in a tough time, someone would pay more for the business. And so I was like, yes, winning, you know. So really interesting, Andy. Oh, mate, it was the, these beautiful stocks were, that were paying great dividends, great multiples were just underappreciated for such a long time through COVID yep. because everyone threw their money into Tesla and Apple and all of these things. And but I think that we did tell people it's like, yep, get in early, but then you know understand and and learn when to get out and and take a bit of profit because if you hold these things, especially Newton's law of relativity is to a degree um, true in financial markets because in my view financial markets are sim it's a symbiosis right it's um, it's a nature reserve and I know that I'm getting all David Attenborough on you. But <laughs> Kind of the way that I see it is that it's an ecosystem, and like any ecosystem, you you introduce foreign matter into it, and the the ecosystem responds um, to that foreign matter. And what we've seen more recently, obviously with COVID, massive amounts of stimulus, we saw the ecosystem go to these growth stocks like your Googles and things like that. But that imbalance, that massive rapid increase, if it's not supported by the the rest of the the ecology or the the rest of the ecosystem, then it's almost bound to come down. Even yeah. if it's if if it's brought down by uh, other parts of the industry, it's all you're almost guaranteed to have some equalization, and yeah. that's what we've seen. And these value stocks just kept on plodding away, but nobody wanted them, Jace, when they were just giving six or seven percent, just consistently, consistently. Nobody wanted them because they're like, oh, well, we want the forty percent. And now the market's off 30% in the information technology and potentially, you know, moving forward, we're going to really struggle to get those types of returns out of that sector until the ecosystem changes. Yeah. I think I've heard it referred to as like a mean reversion, like it's sort of, you know, either if it overshoots yep. or undershoots, it'll mean revert. To, you know, to, it's, to, in statistics, it's called a stochastic walk. Um, <laughs> kind of. Like what, what you get if you have a few too many to drink, you kind of you're walking in the in the line, you kind of veer off the path a little bit. But if you draw a point from the pub to the bus stop, um, you know, that's that's the main <laughs> pretty well get there. Pretty well get yeah. there. Oh, there you go. So, so investing is like a drunken walk, I guess. Uh, well, you might be right about that. That's actually probably uh, a pretty good run. Uh thanks, Douglas. Bit of a shout out back at you, mate. Oh. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> But uh, mate, um, board. yeah. Well, listen. I think we've got one or two questions in here. Um, I think we Let's may have. I can talk all um, night, Jace. Yeah, so just, yeah. Um, just while you're finding the questions, just so everybody knows, inflation isn't uh, just an Australia thing. It's uh, it's global at the moment. So we're we're in the same boat as everybody there. else. Uh, let me what see. What are your thoughts on NDIS? Oh, this uh, has got nothing nothing to do with NDIS. 
No. All right, so tell us about this. Oh, yep, yep, the inflation world. You know. All right, so this is, yeah, uh, world inflation, world GDP. Uh, so we're literally in a period of time where, the, and this is quite paradoxical, Jace. It's uh, where things are more expensive, but less is being produced, and 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 we're getting less um, gross domestic product or less produce as a result of it. Because you would normally think, okay, well, um, if the whole world industry was a car industry, right? So forget any other sector. It, the only business in the world was a car business. Yeah. Right. Now. You would think, because gross domestic product is basically the produce of a, of a country, right, what it produces. So if the only business was, uh, was car business, that was the only business in the world, and you have inflation, which means the price of those cars are dramatically increasing over time in this case, then all other things being equal, you would think that GDP, GDP would go up. Would go yeah. up wouldn't you? Yeah. You would naturally, you would naturally think that. And so this is where some sort of rogue economists, or like I like to call them, lateral thinkers, um, are actually going. <laughs> uh, you know, this disequilibrium, uh, you know, like uh, it can't last uh, that long. One thing has to change, yeah. right? One of them has to change direction. We can't necessarily have both of them uh, going in opposite directions. One of them is going to change, and I like that. It's like a 50-50 bet. It's just which, <laughs> which one is going to. Now, history would say that uh, likely we'll get inflation under control, depending on how far back you go in history. Uh, we'll start to get inflation back under control, which would mean that the two, as you said, would, would end up mean reverting and would end up yeah. coming back to somewhere in and around historical averages because that ecosystem has had that that crown of thorns introduced to the barrier reef, the barrier reef fights back, and all of a sudden the the coral flourishes. Um, and we're sort of seeing this everywhere in the markets. Um, I've got bond yields, everything just kind of support the data. But when we we started talking about the the ten year bond yields, yeah, there you um, go. That yeah. And so this is this is one year down here on the on on the right hand side. This is Australian bond yields. Now we started talking about them around about here, Jace, when we started. Or actually, no, it was it was actually earlier, January, February, March. So it was around here is when we started focusing on the bund yields and, and talking about that in Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. Yeah. All right. Um, and it was around here where the rest of the market started talking about it because it, it hit that 4% mark and all of a sudden everybody shit themselves and gone, that's at 4%. It was pretty frigging clear where it was going over the, the month <laughs> leading to it. But here's the interesting part. And... In statistical analysis, this is it's called a threshold, um, and or you know a glass ceiling to a degree, right? It's you, it's this point whereby if it breaks through it aggressively, then it will continue to rise potentially exponentially. But there's these resistance points, um, and that four percent, as we coined it a little while ago, and it doesn't matter whether you look at the te- uh, the ten year or the five year. You know, they're obviously very, very similar. They're just different yeah. timeframes that we're looking at here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're hitting that resistance point, right? So if we sort of go back to here and we go, well, what does mean reversion look like? Uh, well, at the moment, it, the inflation seems to be tapping, tapping, but likely it'll stabilise, turn around, and then and we'll be looking at that mean reversion. And so when we, we look at investing, it's a matter of going, well, 
what does mean reversion look like? Yeah. And yep. when it comes to investing, I always say there's, you know, there's summer, autumn, winter, and spring. Uh, and there's different types of things and themes that you like to look at during these these periods of time. But until, you know, this this number up here and interest rates start to get a little bit more consistent and the globe starts to feel more confident with them, yeah, that flight to quality and that flight to yield is likely to stay and hang around until these other stuffs balance out. And, you know, we were talking about it from, you know, in debt terms, property development terms, company yeah. terms. People yeah. like to, to lend money into areas or give money into areas where there's a degree of certainty. Mm. Um, and more and more money will flow, the greater level of confidence in that sector. Yep, totally. Yep. Indeed, mate. Indeed. Well, listen, um, I think we've only got sort of one question we haven't answered for today. Um, and Tim is talking about NDIS, the National Disability Investment Scheme. And uh, Tim, again, you know. National uh, Don't Invest Scheme. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. You know, the the housing can be very lucrative if you get it right. Um, but again, it's a government scheme, Tim, and, you know, uh, like, um, like many government schemes, they, they work really well for a while and then sometimes they have a bit of a challenge. Depends on on a bunch of factors, Tim, and sort of I'll, I'll quickly allude to, to them. You know, number one, um, lending. If you are trying to build an NDIS property, lending is actually quite, quite challenging and weird and difficult. Uh, a, a lot of the lenders will want to treat you like a commercial borrower You'll pay higher interest rates and um, the lending is a bit more specialised, okay? So most likely 80% or less loan-to-value ratios, okay? So if you've got a small amount of capital, it's probably not for you. I would say it's absolutely not for you. If you're on a low income and you've got a small amount of capital, it's not it's not the type of lend- the deal that you would want to do. Um, you know, then the next part would be, you know, uh, the scheme in itself is perfectly fine, but you have to go through facilitators and providers to get access to the people who are going to rent it from you. So there are there's two or three layers for your income as you build you actually now build this property. Now you want to get your tenants in. There's two or three layers to have um, to create income from that. So it's it's Nothing like, absolutely nothing like, uh, nothing at all like a regular rental. You know, you put, you advertise it, you know, in realestate.com and someone rents it. You have to have relationships and connections and understandings and registrations and, and it's quite expensive to pay and put your property up and online and available. Uh, it's on average $5,000 to list your property with an NDIS provider. So, the, the upfront cost is significant. On the back end of it, if you can handle the risk and the emotional and the mental and financial upfront risk on it, it's actually very lucrative. I've got a number of investors who have them, um, but they are super challenging to get up and out. But the third and probably the biggest risk is, is it is a government-funded initiative and one day someone wants to unfund it or, or lower the funding or defund it or whatever, um, and it, 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 it has that exposure, um, you know, and, um, uh, you know, you'd say, oh, you'd, you'd find it hard 
for, for the government to unfund, you know, disability stuff and you'd be like, well, let's have a look in history, you know. <laughs> Most of the time they don't unfund it. Can I tell yeah. a little story? Go for it, man. Uh, now, I've been involved at either product development, tax structuring, uh, promotion, uh, product building of many products, probably, I don't know, 30, 40 products uh, over my life, which I've helped design from from different perspectives. And um, they were, where I was a great, I was really good, um, was figuring out the tax and legal structures around things. Now, whenever the government bring in initiatives, that's when I used to have a field day, right? Because <laughs> they, they, they would bring, they, yeah. the government would bring in, and, and I want to talk to you about something called the 2020 vision. Um, now, the 2020, where 2022, did they hit the vision? <laughs> Spoiler alert, no, they failed. It was a government initiative that's pretty much guaranteed to fail when it's a government, <laughs> government initiative in Australia. And um, so the 2020 uh, uh, vision was, uh, and if I lose my way, because I might, my, my point was going to be that they just slow it down. They don't stop it, they just slow it down. So the 2020 initiative was having certain amounts of forestry planted across Australia mm. by the year 2020. And they had a target. It was about carbon. You know, it was, it was a big buzz way back when. And it started what was the agricultural investment boom, right? Yep. Because all of a sudden, I, I helped create a product that had 150% tax deduction. So literally, you, put, you almost put no money in. You could fund your way into it, right? by the tax deduction if you were top module. Like it was a brilliant product. It was quite incredible. Um, and I think I just called it myself incredible. I wasn't incredible. <laughs> it was the loopholes that were brought by the government creating these initiatives. Right. So fast forward uh, five years, <clears throat> uh, several billion dollars, I think it was 5.7 or 7.5, I've, I've mixed it up, of investment into the sector somewhere around there. And almost the whole sector combust. Literally, like 90% yeah. Yeah. of the sector blew up. And it happened within about a six to 12 month uh, period. And what happened was the government brought in the incentives and then just did this. They've gone, oh, yeah, everyone wants to, everyone, oh, it's, it's green, it's great, it's carbon, it's, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, it's 2020, yeah, 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 okay. And then next year it was, yeah, 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 2020. The year after it was, yeah, 2020. The year after it was 2020. And uh -huh. what they slowly did is their focus just, and then change of government, oh, it's not our problem. So uh, the reason why I tell this story, because it crippled billions, this is where the government, again, was almost solely responsible. Like there was some, court, you know, Collins Street, you know, criminals allegedly that probably contributed to it um, or some maybe unethical kind of uh, behaviours. But ultimately the government created an initiative which probably had great merit to it, then turned its back on it, didn't focus on it, didn't nurture it, didn't grow it, and it just died a natural death by itself. And Well, I mean, here's I an example of it right now, Andy, this one. Um, so uh, NRAS, National Rental Affordability Scheme, you know, NDIS, so NRAS is now ending, which is dying a quiet, slow, behind-the-scenes death. Alison's saying, why is it ending? Well, Andy, um, uh, they are bringing in another initiative because the government has no idea. How, 
Yeah, that didn't work. Here's, 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 here's a new idea, folks. Um, <laughs> and it's still a disaster because the legislation is miles off the pace. So, um, Alison, NRAS is ending because government want build to rent companies to come into Australia. Um, and that's another thing that's actually absorbing a significant about, but not as much as everyone would hope. But, Andy, you know, in Melbourne, uh, we were uh, looking to help people buy a really nice um, uh, a really nice property, a really nice location, not far from the CBD, about nine kilometres from the CBD. Uh, in came the builder rent company and they bought the whole thing. They bought um, they bought it and it's it's now so it will never come to market as um, as a piece of real estate that anyone can own, uh, and it will always carry the stigma of something like you know community housing or council housing, um, uh, and yeah, it it does it doesn't actually help supply the general supply of the market because it's it's supplying you know not the market, and that's what happened with NRAS. NRAS choked Allison because. It actually didn't help in any way, shape, or form. And then the government kind of, it was it was actually probably an okay idea. And then they just they choked on it. They didn't administrate it. They it it became too hard to for developers or investors to actually even sign up to do or help or be involved with. Right. And then they said, "Oh, this is too hard. We're going to just chuck it in the bin." You know, and like billions of dollars worth of initiatives down the toilet. You know, they just so that's care. what happened. They, they don't <laughs> care. And so here's here's the thing. I'm not warning anybody off um, any type of investment. But you and I say, Jace, uh, the biggest risk to investment, in my number opinion, one. is actually, yeah. and number one, is yeah. actually the government. Legislation yeah. and government yep. behaviour is the biggest risk to investing full stop. That's yep. my opinion. That's what we say. And so if you are investing we in something. We keep being proved right by it. Ding dong, yep. the witch is dead. You know what? Why don't, why don't I just bring in a land tax that's unconstitutional? Constitutional. Let's yeah. have a crack at that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. How how we don't have guys like Andrew Denton doing satires on you know <laughs> on late night television? I just I don't understand. It's it's, it's insane. But wherever the government is giving initiatives and that makes investments work, you've really got to consider the government side of it and i'm not saying don't because you can make a lot of money by going into these schemes and we have at different points in time but understand that the government changes its mind uh pretty pretty frequently and based on popular uh, popularity and what is popular today is there is rarely popular tomorrow and um so going into things like ndis i as investing you know going into agribusiness and and here's the thing we're in renewables yeah, right. I'm very big in renewables at the moment, and I'm very big in in types of energy sectors. And so, I just want to highlight that because yes, I'm investing there, and that is highly government subsidised, right? But we are very, very much on top of what the government are doing in that sector. And if they look like they are disinterested, or it looks like it's not popular to be green anymore, we will pull money out of that sector faster than you can blink, uh, because ultimately that's the stimulus. Because we know that then it will it will drop. And then it will become self-sustainable, which is kind of ironic, and it will go bang. Right? <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. So, I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying be very, very mindful of when the government assists because uh, 
if it's when they stop coming. assisting, will it? Yeah, when the, when the government stop assisting, will it be alive? You know, um, yeah. can that's, it stand on its own? Yeah, too, can, yeah. and you know, a, a lot of people say that about negative gearing, Andy, with with real estate, and it's like, well, listen, if negative gearing disappeared tomorrow, I'd be actually pretty happy with that because my rents would actually go up. Um, because I actually, I'd actually prefer rents um, to be up rather than having to claim my tax back. Like I would prefer that. I think that's a smarter way to do it. But the way we've got it is the government subsidises people's rents through tax deductions to property investors. That's that's what it is. Negative gearing for individual property investors is a rent subsidy because the government doesn't know what they're fucking doing. You know, so it's like oh, it's, just, it's ludicrous. But Andy. You don't look, look a gift horse in the mouth, but you know if something went, you know if something changed, you go right. Would I be able to sustain that? Yeah, no problem. A couple of years of maybe lower income until it all mean revert, reverted and leveled out, and I'd be I'd be off and running, you know. So yeah, those sorts of things. So, but hey, listen, folks. While we've still got a, a few of you online, but um, um, there's something very special going to happen next week for Andy Fenton and his lovely partner Mags, and Andy's going to become a dad. Hey, <laughs> mate. So raise a glass, folks. Give him a shout-out in the chat, Andy Fenton, Andy Thank Dad you, Fenton, um, next week. Is it Monday? It's, it's booked Monday, in, right? It's Monday. Monday. Yep. All right, man. That is so, so close, buddy. So, But, uh, folks, we are going to um, leave Andy alone for a few weeks um, and uh, he's going to settle into being a dad. Um, at this moment in time, we'll probably kick off first week of November um, and we're coining it the all new, the all new look, uh, all new show for um, for wealth, wine, and wisdom. We'll uh, we'll 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 snazz it up a little bit. We have got some shout outs here for you, mate. So you know, them, thank you. Um, there you go, Allison. Thank you, team. Aaron. Thank you so much. I, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Like this is round one for me, mate. And uh, I'm do- right. the reason why I'm, I'm wearing on, this shirt I'm, is to I'm take away. Back, from I'm the on the back street, mate. You're just getting started. <laughs> mate, I'm on the I'm on the main straight and uh, really looking forward to it. And, um, <laughs> mate, happy to have people like you and 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 all of you listening in in our corner because I might be reaching out uh, for <laughs> advice. Uh, can't wait for the dad jokes. Well, Allison. Uh, you've been listening to them for the last few years. They really don't get any better than, uh, than, than what I've got. But um, thank you, mate. Appreciate it. And like we really do. Uh, and thank you all for the shout out. That's lovely. Uh, really looking forward to to the journey. Uh, but also really looking forward to you know a couple. We we have a, a metaphorical child that uh, that we're going to bring into the the wealth, wine, and wisdom space. Uh, and I'm pretty excited to do that as well. So, uh, so we will be back um, uh, stronger, faster, um, probably not funnier. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Sleep uh, deprived, but okay, but hopefully still there. You know? <laughs> so we'll look forward to uh, catching up with everybody on the first of or whatever the first week of November is. So uh, we'll we'll let or, everyone know. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Oh, mate. All right, mate. Well, let's put a pin in that one then, folks. There you go. Um, back at it for a short time. Uh, not a long time, but certainly a good time. Um, and, um, you know, thanks for joining us today on Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. Uh, look forward to uh, seeing you guys again in a three to four weeks' time. But, mate, um, you know, thanks for hanging out. Always awesome to hang out with you. I've run out of wine now. I'm actually completely empty, so that's probably good timing. And, uh, folks, it's a good night from me. And it's a good night from him. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.